Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. I'll tell you, I like that part about uh, having our affection centered on Jesus and living for him day by day. That's the way it ought to be. Amen. And uh, I can't help the way I feel. Now, uh, friend, you just, if you ever want you a real dignified preacher, uh, you'll have to go find one. Now, that's just not me. You knew that when you called me. And I, I'm not really a dignified sort of preacher. And I I may shout a little bit. I listen. I'd shout all the time if I could. I really would. I if it wouldn't get on people's nerves, well, I'd have myself a spell all the time around here. But I'm afraid some of you folk might get a little shaky every now and then. I I feel like listen. I've I've got a Baptist heart and Pentecostal feet. I mean, I just want to move around a little bit when I get to feeling good down in my soul. All right, brother Buck, if you'll be so kind as to turn these sermon stats to about. Uh, 71 degrees, 71, and cut the fans off for us. All right, if you found your place, Romans chapter number 14, and I want you to stand, please, if you will. Romans chapter 14, and verse, just two verses of Scripture I want to read with you this morning. Uh, verse number 7 and verse number 8. And uh, I uh, I pick up things from other preachers. I They told me one time when I was at school to watch men of God and things that you can pick up that are good from certain preachers, pick it up and use it. And those things that you see when you see other preachers and hear other preachers that you don't uh, particularly like, then you just put those aside. But everything you can use, you ought to get it and get a hold of it. And I'll just tell you this morning, quite frankly, my pastor, I, I'm the only person in this room today that uh, really doesn't have a pastor. Now, uh, all of you, if you get sick or something, you call Brother Bill, and I'll be there right away, and I'll pray for you when you get sick and, and so forth. But uh, I really don't have a pastor, and uh, that saddens me. It really does. I, you, you'll never know how it is not to have a pastor until you get to that point where you're the pastor and you don't have one. And uh, I've adopted, I've adopted Dr. Jack Hiles as my pastor. And I, I listen to him and I get things from him that help us. And uh, I pick this up from him and uh, I like to do it. And that's when we stand to read the word of God. And I'll tell you something else that he does that I used to think was very cold and, and very, very uh, formal. But I like it when he does it on his tapes and in his church. And, and uh, he, sometimes he has the people read responsively. And uh, we may begin to do that. I read a verse and you read a verse. I think, listen, we have in our hands this morning the precious Word of God. Amen. And we need to read it. You know, I mean, listen, we need to stand and read the Word of God and honor God's Word in our midst today. Verse number 7 in Romans 14 says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. 
For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. In another place, Paul said uh, that uh, to live uh, uh, is, is gain, or to die is gain, uh, but we're to live unto the Lord. And uh, he talked about in one place the life that we now live. We live through the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for us. So I want to talk to you this morning about living a life that will please the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless the word now. Help us, dear God. We stand in need of a blessing from on high this day. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I listen to people a lot that give testimonies, and uh, a lot of people give testimonies about what used to be. You ever hear people get up and testify and say, well, I remember this, and I used to do this, and I, I remember leading a soul to the Lord Jesus Christ back uh, two years ago or three years ago. I want you to know the past is gone. Did you know that? There's, there's nothing you can do to change what you've already done, and you can't go back and relive the past. It's already gone. And then there are always those who say, well, um, I never had uh, uh, done anything but God, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. One of these days, I'm going to get started, and I'm really going to do something and accomplish something for God. I had a cartoon. I don't know what happened to it. But it typifies so many people, and it typifies me. That's the reason I cut it out, and I kept it for a long. Maybe Ms. Burr still has it, but it's a picture, cartoon, of two men sitting uh, in an office, and both of them have their feet up on the desk, and their hand clasped back on them like this, and they're, they they got a coffee cup sitting there, and papers all over the room. I mean all over the desk, and just... Uh, disarray everywhere, and underneath it, it has written these words, we're going to get organized tomorrow. Now, uh, that's the way it is with many of us. We're always talking about what we're going to do for the Lord. Now, I want you to know this. It doesn't do any good to boast about what you're going to do because the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. People are all the time talking about what they used to do or what they're going to do, and this is not important. We need to live for God today. Amen. Now, I can assure you today that this is not going to be one of those hide-busting sermons. Now, I think we had one last week, and sure enough, when I went home, sat down in my easy chair over there, little imp from hell came, got right up on this shoulder and said, all right, big boy, you blew her this morning. There won't be any of that crowd back. You run them all off. Brother Wayne McCray used to tell me, he said, preacher, when you get them in, he said, I get them in and you run them off as fast as I get them in. Well, I think people ought to live for God. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart and with all of my soul. Now, I'm asking everyone here today to take a close look at your life. Now, the Bible teaches that every professing Christian 
And I believe if I ask this morning, how many of you folk are saved? Probably everybody in this room. I'm looking about now. I know most of you. And I believe that probably everyone in this room would raise their hand and say, Preacher, I'm saved. I know the Lord as my own personal Savior. Well, I want to suggest to you this morning, the Apostle Paul said this. Now, don't get mad at me. If you get mad with anybody, get mad with the Apostle Paul. He said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not uh, your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Now, I believe every person here ought to take a long, hard look at themselves today and just see whether or not you know the Lord as your own personal Savior. You ought to find out today if you're real or if you're an imitation. You ought to find out today if you know the Lord or if the devil has just slipped you a counterfeit. A lot of people get stirred up emotionally and uh, they do things that uh, 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 make people think they're saved, but bless your heart, your spirit has to be changed. Amen. I mean, God has to get down deep inside of you and you have to be born again and birthed in order to get into the family of God. I was looking at public television, just flipping by there, and they had a, a Negro singer, and I don't know who she was. I, undoubtedly, she was a very popular a singer from the way they were talking. I, they didn't call her name, and I don't know who it was. She was inside of a church building, and she this was her testimony. She said it wasn't the preaching of the Word of God, and it wasn't the, the surroundings in the church. She said what moved me to this experience that I had and she called it an emotional experience. She said, what moved me to that was music. Now, I'll grant you today, I love music. I like music. I, little children are born into this world liking music. I was noticing Nathan, my grandson, the other day in, in front of the television, and they were singing a song in one of the commercials there. And uh, I noticed him, and he was like this. Man, he was... He was fixing to get on with it. He, he was wanting to dance a little bit. And uh, that just comes in us. That, that's, uh, that's natural. God put it there. But that's your soul. That's the emotions of man, you see. Now, music will stir your soul. And a lot of people get emotionally stirred up. And sometimes well, through some sad story that a preacher tells, uh, it will work upon your emotions and when you see other people get out of their place and go to the front of the church and pray and weeping and crying, this works on your emotions and you get stirred up emotionally and you go and you make a profession of faith in the Lord. Now I want to tell you, there's a lot of people going to die and go to hell who made a profession. The profession is not important. 
It is the possession of Jesus Christ that rings true to God Almighty. There'll be a host of people that will stand before him and say, hey, we cast out demons and we, we've preached and we've done many great and mighty things in thy name. And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Has some characteristics. I want to give these to you this morning. It is a life justified without the deeds of the law. Amen. Don't, don't you thank God for that? A lot of people are trying to work their way to heaven. And if you're saved today, you got saved through no merit of yourself at all. There was no work. Listen, we have a, a baptistry up here and people go into that baptistry. You must, listen, you must be obedient to the Lord and you must follow him in believer's baptism before you can be a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Now you, you have to do that. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a work that is performed and it has no saving grace whatsoever. This is not a, a sacrament here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. By the way, we don't refer to the Lord's Supper as being a sacrament. Listen, the word, the word uh, sacrament means that they are sacred and it also means that they have some saving uh, uh, element to them. We don't believe that. We believe that these are works that we perform and bless your heart, no one is saved by the works of the flesh. The Bible says, knowing not, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Listen, your salvation is not in doing the law, but in trusting the Savior. Amen. You need to come to that place in life whereby you realize that the only means of salvation is in the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and just give up. Amen. Somebody said, how do you get to heaven? Well, I'm doing the best I can. The best that you can do is not good enough. Amen. I mean, listen, the number of a man is six, six, six. That's the number of the Antichrist. The very best that, that mankind can produce is still one number short of perfection. Bless your heart. There's nothing that you can do that will merit your entrance into heaven's glory. Listen, Peter makes it clear that no one, listen, no one has ever kept the law perfectly. No one. The Lord Jesus did, of course. Now, we rule him out. I, somebody said one day, well, he was a man just like we are men. No, no. No, he wasn't, my friend. Now, he was a man. He was a human being. But bless your heart, he didn't have a sinful nature as you have today. Jesus didn't have uh, uh, the sinful, wicked blood of Adam coursing through his veins. He was a virgin-born, Holy Spirit-conceived Son of God. And no man, no man outside of Jesus has ever kept the law perfectly. The Bible says, And God, which knoweth the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, 
purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? Now, notice what he says, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Hold it, hold it, look here. Peter is saying to us, listen, Moses and all of our fathers who lived in the dispensation of the law, they too were saved by grace. You say, well, how was that? Well, I'll tell you this. Look in Romans chapter number 8. Just turn back a few pages there. Did you know this? Even if you could, even if it were possible, today for you to keep the law and it is it's impossible because of the weakness of the flesh we're going to find out when we read right now but even if it were possible for you to somehow keep the law of god you would still die and go to hell because the law was not given as a means of salvation he said, I'd like to see that in the Word of God. I'm glad you asked that. Listen. For the law, verse number 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in chapter 8, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now notice, for what the law could not do. I mean, the law could not save you in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm saying to you, listen, everybody that's ever been saved from the dawn of creation until this present hour, beginning with Adam and Eve until right now, they've been saved by the pure grace of God. No merit on their part whatsoever. In the flesh, it is impossible to please good, to please God. Did you know there's not a good man on the face of this earth? I've often thought, if I had to pick somebody this morning, and I just had to say, well, he's a good fella. I'd pick old Loy over here. I really would. I I love to be around Loy. He never he never gets too excited. He's easy going sort of fella. And uh, but I'll tell you what, Loy's got the same kind of flesh I got. Did you know that? And uh, the same temptations that bother me and bother you, they bother him. I'm saying to you, listen, there's not a good man in this congregation this morning. Not a one, including the pastor. By the way, there's not a good woman in here today. Not a good woman. Listen, I'm saying to you that we're flesh. And there's nothing in this flesh that will please God. And there's no good work that you can perform that will take your soul to heaven. Listen. You say, well, Brother Bill, what does the law do? The law makes us guilty before God. Did you know that? It makes every one of us guilty. You say, well, I, I've kept the law and uh, shame on you. 
Shame on you. You just lied right then. You, you haven't kept the law. I, I met a fellow one time. He said, uh, I believe the Ten Commandments save you. I said, you believe you can go to heaven keeping the Ten Commandments? He said, that's what I'm dependent on. I said, would you mind quoting them for me? He couldn't quote. He got maybe two of them. That's all he could get. And yet he was trusting his eternal soul to keep in those Ten Commandments. I'll tell you what, if I thought the Ten Commandments would get me to heaven, I'd at least take time, Brother Bob, to memorize them. I mean, I, I'd at least be trying. If I thought my salvation depended on that, I'd try to memorize them. Listen, if you break any part of God's law, anything, turn with me over to the book of James, please. James is a, is a practical book. James will, will tell you how to live. And James chapter number 2, and look at verse number 10, please, if you will. For whosoever, look up here. That's anybody, isn't it? I mean, that, that's me, that's Brother Painter back here. I mean, that's, that's anybody. You the division, Brother Wickline back here, that's you. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. I'm telling you, friend, you might as well just put her down that you are guilty of breaking God's holy laws and statutes. And I can tell you today that because of this, you're going to die and go to hell. You say, well, I thought you had to had to murder somebody. I thought you had to commit adultery. I, I thought you had to steal. I, I thought you had to do something like that in order to go to hell. Listen, friend, good people don't go to heaven and bad people to hell. Saved people go to heaven and lost people go to hell. You can be good as the standards and uh, uh, practices of men go, but in God's sight, all of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You're an offense to Him. You're, you're disgusting to Him. Everything that we do is an abomination in the sight of God. You know what the word abomination means? It means disgusting. That's right, disgusting. I, I'm saying to you, when God looks down at humanity without Christ Jesus, this whole shooting match is disgusting to him. It's an abomination in his sight. And you'll die and go to hell apart from the grace of God. Listen, if you're trying to get heaven by keeping the law, I want to warn you right now, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Secondly, I want you to know this. Now, number one, it's a, uh, if you're a real Christian today, your life is justified by grace without the deeds of the law. And then secondly, it is a life that is imparted through Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, listen, uh, verse 16 uh, over in the uh, Galatians, you need not turn there, but let, let me read it for you. It says, we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now the word justified means to be declared righteous. Amen. Thank God today. I'm a righteous person. That's right. You say, oh, you're a proud person too. No, 
I'm boasting in Jesus today. I, I don't deserve to be righteous, but God imputed righteousness to me. God put down righteousness to my account. Now, I want to tell you this, and I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging. God forbid that. I, I, I don't want, I, I, I'm fearful for even mentioning anything like this because of the young people that are present in this room right now. If you tried to list every sin that I've committed, my soul, I, you might fill this room up with it. For every evil thought that's ever gone through my mind, every sinful act that I've ever committed, uh, every bad uh, uh, statement that I've ever read, every bad photograph that I've ever looked at and this sort of thing, I suppose that you could just about feel that I, if there's one person here this morning who does not deserve to go to heaven and I know that he doesn't deserve it, it's Bill Burr. Now I know that. I know how unrighteous I am and I, I know how wicked I am. I know how wretched I am. I, I know how vile I am. I'm exactly what God says I am in the Word of God. But bless your heart, Jesus Christ in sovereign grace, in sovereign grace one day just put down to my account Paid in full. And he imputed righteousness to me. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, I believe with all of my heart, the Bible says, for it made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus didn't deserve to die. Jesus didn't deserve Calvary. Jesus never did anything, said anything, went anywhere. Jesus was not a frivolous person. I was talking to somebody the other day about the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and they, were, uh, they were saying some writer had pointed out the humor of Jesus. Let, let me tell you something. I've read the New Testament. I've never found any humor about Jesus Christ. I, listen, I've never found where he ever laughed. I've never found where he ever smiled. I'm saying to you as a man of sorrows, the Bible says, he was acquainted with grief and he went to Calvary and he died for your sin. He didn't have to die because of his sin. He knew no sin, the Bible tells us. And then it goes on and says that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God today, Frank, you've been justified. Thank God, Jerry, you've been justified. Delbert, you've been justified. Thank God today for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The Bible says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for for righteousness. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some 80 years old, and uh, they, listen, they got to singing some songs up there, Miss Burke, and real slow, and I, I got up to speak, I said, they don't know us, I, if they sing songs like that, well, half this crowd be asleep. I mean, it takes a lot just to stay awake. I'm saying to you, you're justified by faith, amen, faith in what Jesus did for us on Calvary. And then thirdly, I want you to know that a real Christian is one who has a life lived unto God. Some folk think, well, I'm saved. I can go out 
and live it up. Because you're saved, friend, this does not give you a license to go out and sin. Baptist preachers have preached so much on eternal life. Boy, my pants, my kids pull it out. Can you tell I lost weight in that one? Uh, I mean, I, listen, I, I, I'm going to have to get suspenders one of these days. But uh, I just want to tell you that to keep you on your guard and keep you alert and wait. You know, some of you think, well, said, wouldn't it be something if Brother Bill uh, was preaching one day and uh, his pants gave loose? No, it's not going to happen. They had, I hadn't lost that much weight, but I'm losing a little bit. Now, listen to me. I'm saying that you have uh, not the license to sin. I preach so much on eternal life that people get the idea. Now listen to me very carefully. You know, I'm not hollering at you right now. I'm talking to you. I want, I want to get something across to you. And I do that sometimes by getting uh, softer in volume, make you listen just a little bit harder. Some people think that because they've made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this gives them the right to go out and sin. You say, I don't have to worry about heaven anymore. I'm saved now. Brother and sister, listen to me. If that's the attitude that you have, you'd better check up on your salvation. We have liberty in Christ Jesus but we don't have a license to go out and sin. And by the way, you say, well, Brother Bill, can somebody uh, that's saved, can they go out and get drunk and still go to heaven? Why, sure you can, and real quick sometimes. You see, the Bible says if you sin as a child of God, now listen to me, if you sin as a child of God, God's going to chasten you. You know what the word chasten means? The word chasten. The first time your child does something that's wrong, you don't jump up and get a, a, a stick and beat him half to death. Now, you don't do that. If you do, that's wrong. The word church chasten means uh, uh, to come over and tenderly persuade. It means that you, you spank his hand, you, you, you persuade him through your voice and tenderness, you say, now, son or daughter, that's wrong. And, and, and I'm not pleased with this. It makes daddy sad in his heart when you do that. And sometimes that'll work. If you have a tender-hearted child, and uh, that used to work some with Carol. Carol would just weep and cry, you know. And she'd say, daddy, I'm so sorry. And she'd get up and love my neck, and she'd, she'd make love to me. But now, Donna was altogether different. I mean, Donna was one of those that you had to come to that second word. And that second word is scourge. That's what it means. Now, the word scourge just means beat the daylight out of them. I mean, if they, if they don't respond to love and tenderness and kindness, then, I mean, you scourge them. Now, that's what Jesus does with his children when you do wrong. He comes to you in, in, the, in the nighttime or when you're alone by yourself and the Holy Ghost of God whispers in your ear and says to you, now you know. You don't, you don't talk to the Lord like this, but your actions speak louder than your words. And you're saying, Lord, I, I love my sin. I enjoy my sin. And I, I'm going to go on. And he said, well, don't you know that you're saved? Yes, I know I'm saved, but I, I've got this old uh, problem with the flesh and I enjoy it so much. And I'm just going to commit that sin. 
then he'll scourge you. Well, now some people don't even wake up after a scourge. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter number 5. I want to show you something. This, some of you folk, listen, I'm saying this ought, to, this ought to scare the daylights out of you. Some people, I'm telling you, you're on the verge of losing your physical life here in this earth. This ought to scare the daylights out of you. Start terror ought to come into your heart. Listen, it is reported commonly that there's fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. He was a man who was running around with his stepmother. That's right. A man who was committing immorality with his stepmother and he said to the church, he said, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Look up here. He's saying, listen, you think you have a liberty to go out and, and sin and, and live as you please? God Almighty says, if you're my child, he said, I will chasten you. I'll deal with you tenderly. And then if you don't straighten up, I'll wear you out. I'll cause things to come upon your life. And by the way, he'll not be having a flat tire. And it'll not be that you can't just pay your rent or something like this. When God begins to uh, scourge you, bless your heart, honey, you don't know where it's coming from. And then he goes on and says, if you don't straighten up then, he said, I'm not going to allow you to drag my name down through the muck and mire of this world. He said, I'll turn you over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, the body in which you live. He said, now I'm going to save your spirit. I'll save your soul. It'll be snatched right out of the jaws of hell itself. But you lose your life. I'm trying to tell you, friend, and you'd better listen to this, preacher. You do not have a license to go out and sin. You're to live unto God. And then I want you to know this. Crucified means to die. That's what it means. And the Bible talks about the old man with all his fleshly passions and, and lust, that this old man is to be crucified with Christ. It goes on and, and tells us this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, I'm saying to you, listen to me very carefully. Every person in this room, if you're saved today, you have two natures about you. You have the old nature. Listen, that, that old man didn't get eradicated. That old sinful flesh didn't get eradicated when you got saved. I'm saying every person in this room today has an old nature, but thank God you have a new nature too. You've been born again. You've got that inner man, that inner spirit that lives down deep inside of you. And you can have victory 
If you will submit yourself unto God and crucify the old man and the old nature. You know why people get their feelings hurt? The old man rises up. The old nature rises up. You know why some people say, he didn't even shake my hand, preacher. You know why? Because the old man rises up. You haven't crucified him. You, you haven't learned how to die to yourself. You haven't learned, that, as Lester Roloff said, to jump in the grave every day. That's why in the business world out here, when somebody does something that is a little bit underhanded and, and not always on a, a level, and that's why uh, your feelings get hurt sometimes, you, uh, because the old man rises up. If you ever learn to die to self, you will have come a long way. And then the last thing, the last thing I want you to see is that it's a life when you're, you're a real child of God. Did, did you examine yourself today? Huh? Some of you just been sitting here like this. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at you. I didn't get off the bus. Yes, did he? I mean, I had this crowd sitting in here like this. Every now and then you wake up a little bit and say, have you examined yourself today? I mean, I can get up here and preach all day long. Look them down the aisles, holler, hoop. I mean, have myself a time. But if you, it, listen, if you don't let the Holy Ghost of God apply it to your life, it won't mean one thing to you. I mean, listen, you need to examine yourself. And the last thing I want to say to you is that if you're a real Christian, you're indwelt by Jesus Christ. Amen. He lives in your heart. Oh, I thank God that he lives in our heart today, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The Bible says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit.